You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Welcome to our online service and, uh, you know, I guess here at Catalyst we really want to be a place where people are encouraged and one of the ways we do that is we want to open up the Bible and we're going to do that in a few minutes time. Now, um, I don't know if you loved history at school. Um, I just realized actually today my daughter is one of my daughters. My younger daughter is 17 years old. Wow. I can't believe I've got like a nearly 20 year old and a 17 year old and I'm only like 30. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but I, I realized, you know, looking back over the years, like even when I was at school, you know, um, got to picture this 14 years old. We're in history now. Back then, as a 14-year-old, I didn't really appreciate history. I do now because I look over history and I love all that. So I'm the, I'm the nerd now watching the History Channel and, and all that kind of stuff because we can learn from our history, can't we, as we look forward. But here we are in history, uh, 14 years old. You've got to understand it was the 1980s. Um, the Beastie Boys were, at, were doing their thing. It was super baggy jeans, BMXs, and ghetto blasters. Yeah. Yeah, that was my, I was 14 and uh, I, I remember getting my first ghetto blaster. Some of you are like, what the heck is a ghetto blaster? Well, it was, <laughs> it was like a portable music system, double deck. Anybody remember that? Two decks for, 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 the, uh, for the cassettes and detachable speakers. Woo! And you had to sell your kidneys for the batteries because it took like <laughs> a whole ton of batteries to run these things. Anyway, 14 um, in history and they give us a project and the project is on the renaissance and I was like Ooh, you know wow okay anyway so I was a bit poorly uh, around this time I got I think I had a week off for flu and uh, anyway I was doing this project and halfway through reading about the renaissance and the people involved in it and the artists and on all the rest of it, I realized you know it'd be really good just to illustrate this project and so I began to draw some of Leonardo's drawings and Michelangelo's David to try and illustrate this history project. I suddenly realized and I actually discovered something about myself I didn't really know was that actually I could draw. This we're doing a history project that I thought was going to be a bit boring and it uncovered a gifting in my life, something that was in me. And this love of drawing came out in that project. I wasn't bad at it. And, I, and when we handed that project in, I got a really good mark. I really want to talk today about the environment. That, you know, we're, we're going to come in life. There are environments that bring out the best in us. Um, Following Jesus and becoming a disciple of Jesus is the best environment to, to, to bring out what he's put in our lives. He's put a ton of talent, gifting, insight and passion in our lives. And then when we begin to follow him and begin uh, to be obedient to him, 
that stuff is discovered. People will see it. God will use it for his glory and for his kingdom. And that's really where I want to go today. I want to talk about being a follower of Jesus, being on mission with God creates room for a bunch of things and uh, uh, in terms of discovering who we are. So, you know, that history project was pivotal, but it was just the beginning for me. I ended up in design school here in Aberdeen and uh, that was part of my story. And then it, uh, as a result of coming here to Aberdeen, I realized that was 30 years ago. Um, God has just kind of, I've tried to be obedient to what God has said and I've discovered things in my life and in the lives of those around me. So that's kind of where we're going. And so uh, this morning, you know, as Emma already said, we're in the book of Acts and let me bring you up to speed. Um, some amazing things have been happening throughout the book of Acts and we're, as Dr. Luke sort of narrates the, the, the birth and then the growth of the church through individuals and groups. And the bit we're getting to is that a whole bunch of normal people who are trying to follow Jesus have been scattered all across the Mediterranean area, if you like. And some of them have gone to a place called Antioch and begun to share their love of Jesus and help people and love people. And, and in that city, a great number of people have become Christians. And so Barnabas, who's been based in Jerusalem, is sent up to Antioch and him and a guy called Saul, um, uh, who seems to be that they were friends, uh, are called together and they establish this incredibly vibrant and diverse church in the city of Antioch. Probably the fastest growing church of its time and Barnabas was kind of like seen as the sort of father figure in that church and they were laying the foundations and they were there for about a year teaching and preaching and then uh, the Holy Spirit began to move them as a team and them as individuals that God had some more for them. And so what happens is they get together and then praying and fasting. It's very clear that God is setting apart Saul and Barnabas for more work. In other words, to go and bring the gospel um, to more people and to push westward towards Turkey and then hopefully on towards areas like uh, cities like Rome and Corinth and so on and so forth. So here we're going to pick up the story, Acts chapter 13. They've just left Antioch and they've headed down onto the island of Cyprus and uh, we're picking it up in verse 6 and it says this. And they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul, because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, or Elimus, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. Wow, you don't ever want that, do you? You are going to be blind for a time and you will, will be unable to see the light of the sun. 
Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. And after reading from the law of the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Wow. It's quite a moment, this. Um, so here they are, they're, they've, they're, they're, these three guys have been sent out, it says, by the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're making their way across Cyprus, and they come to uh, Paphos, and, and, and some stuff happens there. And I just wanted to really, just a couple of things that, that I've observed as I've read through this little passage. I just a couple of things I've noticed. Did you notice, um, as we read through this text, there was a name change? Um, Luke is now calling Saul, Paul. So something's going on there. Um, Paul's like, there's a sort of Roman name for Saul. And Luke's maybe indicating something here. And then also, we see up until this point in the book of Acts, whenever uh, Saul and Barnabas are mentioned, up until this point, Barnabas always comes first. It's been Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. And now you'll see in this passage, there's been a transition. Now it's Saul or Paul and Barnabas or Paul and his friends. Um, something is shifting. Something is changing. And what I want to... Uh, kind of really just observe and, and, and throw out to you today is this, is that when you're following Jesus, when we're on a mission uh, with him, mission makes room for leadership. What we're seeing here, or as we are obedient to the Spirit's prompting, the call of God in our lives becomes apparent. Um, all that God has put in us is coming to the surface and he's beginning to use. And let's think about uh, Paul for a minute. You know, this guy is, it's like suddenly he is beginning to really walk in his calling. You know, we know that Paul was, uh, when he met Jesus on the Damascus road, it says of it that, that Jesus was going to send him to the Gentiles and he would suffer much, but he would bring you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people to know Jesus in the Gentile world. You know, in this moment, Paul has been obedient to Jesus' calling on his life and all of the gifting, all of the teaching, all of the understanding of the culture of these people, it's coming to the surface and God is using it. God is beginning to really use Paul's um, uh, education, Paul's, uh, God's using Paul's background, his understanding of people's the philosophies of the day and he's in, and, and he's really coming to his own when it comes to communication it says that they were going to the synagogues and what they would do is Paul would probably rock up maybe even in rabbinical robes because that's what he was he was a rabbi he put his robes on they'd be like oh this guy here you know and they would invite him to then speak and that's what we landed the passage on 
It seems like Paul's prominence now as a leader is coming to the surface. And we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised that that is what is going on. As we follow Jesus, we begin to discover that this is what I've been made for. And and what comes with that is real authority. I don't know if you noticed this. I thought Christians are always supposed to be like super gracious, even when they're being opposed. What would you, don't you think? And yet here in this passage, something extraordinary is going on because as they come to um, uh, this, this, this guy, the proconsul Sergius Paulus invites Paul and Barnabas in to chat with them. There's this, this guy, Bar-Jesus, is getting in the way and he's being a bit obtrusive and, and he's pushing back and he's in opposing. And what does Paul do? He, he basically says to the guy, hey, enough. It's time to go into darkness. And the guy goes blind. Now, thank goodness, thank the Lord that says there, now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind just for a time. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Paul knows what it's like to be blind. Remember on the Damascus Road when he met Jesus, and he was opposing Jesus. After that powerful encounter, he has three days in the dark to to, 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 to really um, come to a place of repentance and realization that he is opposing Jesus and, he, and, and something has to change. And so when you've experienced that, it's like when you've experienced this, it's like you have power and authority in that area. And so Paul says to that man, for a time now, you're going to be blind. And he is. It's powerful. God is at work in Paul, in a really brilliant, powerful way. And Paulus, the proconsul, comes to know Jesus in that whole moment. What I want to say is when we're on mission and when we're trying to be obedient to Jesus, it makes room for leadership to rise. I wonder today for some of us, um, you're not sure what you're called to. You're not sure... What gifting God's given you. I want to just say to you today, what was the last thing that you heard Jesus say to you? And are you being obedient to that? Because often, discipleship and following Jesus is just one step after another. It's not necessarily always just massive big leaps. It's we read the scriptures and then we obey. And then we do that, we grow in him. And we discover who we are and what he's put in us. That's what happened with my history project. (laughs) You know, that environment helped me discover I had a gift in an area. As I've become a Christian and as I've tried to follow Jesus, Jesus has opened doors and uh, I've I've realized, oh, God's put this in my hand and now I want to use it for his kingdom. And maybe that's you today. So mission makes room for leadership. But and into that, into that, um, we see that 
that the position of Paul and Barnabas has swapped round. And now Barnabas, if you like, is beginning to take a little bit of a, of a different role. Now, Barnabas has been the kind of father of the group. He's the guy who's been like the senior pastor of the fastest growing church uh, around. And now the Lord has asked him to step out of that and to go with Paul and this guy, John Mark, on mission. Isn't it interesting that in doing that, um, Paul's ministry begins to what my sister calls fizz. It's like something is going on here. Something is happening. And when Barnabas sees that and recognizes that, he wants to support it and not contain it. He doesn't want to control it. He's willing, it seems, to step back and create room so that he would be the encourager in that moment. You know, for some of us who have been around leadership and church leadership for many years, you know, we realize that when the spirit of God is at work, we need to be flexible. And sometimes we just need to move to that encouraging position and not just the pioneering kind of place. We need to follow God and it draws out a different kind of aspect of leadership. Barnabas, I want to suggest to you today, was a big leader. It feels like the the people around Barnabas just get bigger. Great leaders don't hold others back. They release them and support them. So mission develops leaders. Mission uncovers gifting. Mission is about others that we are with and also about those that we're reaching. And I can honestly say in my story of faith and growth and church leadership and all of that, that there has been some big leaders in my life. And I think probably lots of you listening today would agree with this. We're doing certain things because they saw something in our lives. They saw gifting in us and they made room for us. They, 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 they stepped aside and, 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 and made room and encouraged us to press into all that God had for us. <laughs> you know, uh, and those big leaders took risks. They took a mega risk on me at 21 years old. I mean, I'm so green in my faith. They let me lead a team to Russia, a mission team to Russia at 21 years old. That's mental. A little team of us, I don't know, eight of us or something like that went there. And wow, what a learning experience that was. I remember being in, I think it was in Gorky Park and the opportunity to stand and to preach the gospel there. And the, well, the local mafia rocked up and there was about 150 people listening. It was a proper moment. You know, I remember coming back from that And then those big leaders, those leaders made room on a Sunday evening and they gave the Sunday evening service to a group of us in our early 20s. Sure, they were around that service and helping and supporting and praying for us, but they weren't doing most of the leading or preaching. There was a bunch of us. They said, no, no, no. God's hand is on you. You're beginning to phase. Let's release you into this. Some of you listening today may even have been around those days. It was raw, but it was real, and God was doing some things. 
I think here at Catalyst, we want to be a church that operates like Barnabas. That when we see new people and new gifting or even a new generation coming through, you know, I'm so encouraged that we've got like Emma hosting and Holly, who's 19, hosting like our service. And, and that's happening all over, not just online, but in our in-person services, because we want to encourage this next generation of leaders to pursue all that God has for them and for their generation. We want to be big leaders that make other people big, if you like. And I think that's what's going on here. Mission makes room for encouragement and flexibility um, in, in, in that. You know, and then following Jesus in, into the lives of others, you know, we want to reach others, but the Holy Spirit is also totally committed, isn't he, to making us like Jesus. And so following Jesus and following the mission of God on our lives will invariably lead us to people that don't know him. Why? Because the spirit of God is, a, is, is, is missional. He's the one that wants to see hundreds, thousands, millions of people brought into the kingdom. And so we want to be kingdom agents, you know. But also the spirit of God is utterly committed for us not only to make disciples, but to become disciples. In other words, not only to introduce people to Jesus, but to become like Jesus. And so as we follow the call of God on our lives, invariably, gifting will come to the surface. We'll need to be flexible and become encouragers and not always just the groundbreakers. But also with the good, sometimes issues will also come to the surface. God is interested in our character as well as the mission. And what we see here in this passage, I don't know if you saw it, but just a little throwaway comment there. It says uh, in verse 13, it says, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. And so it's interesting, from Antioch, the three of them, this little trio, were prayed for and blessed and commissioned to go. And as they went, you know, God was doing stuff. It was like the church on the move, this little sort of um, amazing little nucleus of what the church should be like, relational and, and growing in God, and then also reaching out, moving across the island of Cyprus. And then it says there, and then John left them. And there's a lot of conjecture about what actually went on there. We're not 100% sure. But you know what? We read in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, um, sometime later, Paul uh, and Barnabas are discussing, should we go back and see these churches that they've established and started? And this is what it says in verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the brothers and all the towns that we were, where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. That's the same John. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Like, initially when I read this, I thought, oh, he must have just maybe got ill or, you know, something just happened. But it seems like actually 
Paul's language there is quite strong. He deserted them. We're not, we're not quite sure what's going on there, but I know this. Following Jesus is exciting. It's amazing when people come to know him. God wants to use us. But also, the mission of God makes room for personal change. And it's clear that John Mark was deeply challenged on this journey. And for some reason, he turned back. I've been deserted before. It's a weird moment. I've had the privilege of taking people on mission to a whole bunch of different places. And I remember a number of years ago, we took a team to Sri Lanka and uh, it was amazing. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, the civil war was still going on, but we were there to help with a youth um, camp. Anyway, there was about eight or ten of us on the team that year and we were staying <laughs> in this guest house called the Honeymoon Guest House. Well, to be honest, it really wasn't anything like a honeymoon suite that you'd hope for. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty grim. But hey-ho. Anyway, there was two AC rooms. It was 40 degrees at night. It was roasting. We, we gave one of the rooms to the girls that were with us. And then there was four beds in the other AC room. And myself and Thomas Ucker, who leads our Inverness Vineyard, was on that team. And so we agreed uh, with the sort of more senior leaders that we would take the room without any AC. And the other four lads went, I think Dave Hall was on that team that year, and went into the AC room. Anyway, we hunkered down for the night, said our good nights, and off to sleep we went. But no, Thomas deserted me. He couldn't take it. And if you're listening today, buddy, mm -mm, he failed. About two, I don't know, I, I think he lasted an hour, an hour and a half. And then we heard this scraping noise as Thomas took the mattress off his bed and went through and went and gate crashed the other room, put his mattress down in the other lad's AC room and slept on the floor. And he deserted me. He left me in the heat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a ridiculous desertion. Anyway, what, 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 what I really want to get at is this. There are times as we follow Jesus, our character comes to the surface and God wants to address it. And let's, I want to encourage us this morning, let's not be like John Mark when we're challenged in these moments. Let's stick around. Let's work it through. I mean, lots of the commentators think that this moment was really a moment where John Mark's prejudices had come to the surface. And because they were working and, 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 and evangelizing the Gentiles, there was a bit of a collision there. And obviously that would have been a big issue for Paul. But he returns to Jerusalem. I want to encourage you today. Make room for change. Allow God and the team that you're with to bring change. Because God wants to make us more like Jesus. To do the work of Jesus and to become like Jesus. And so let's just wrap up this morning. Mission. In mission and following Jesus, we'll discover gifting, leadership, and the call of God on our lives. For some of us... That mission may mean we're going to need to be more flexible, become or change or shift from doing it all to encouraging others to do it. And then for some of us today, you know, you might be right in this moment 
you just recognize or other people have recognized in you there are some things that have come to the surface that need to change. That's a good thing. We're called to be holy. We're called to be set apart and different and to look and reflect Jesus. Maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to just bring that. And maybe you want to just bring that stuff to him today and say, change me, God. Make me more like you. Don't ditch the team. Don't return to the past. Comfort. Press in to what he's got for you. And so, Father, as we wrap up this morning, Holy Spirit, would you continue to speak to us? Minister deep into our hearts and into our spirits. I want to pray for the next generation of leaders that are coming. We are for you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you would fan into flame all of that gifting so that they are fizzing for you. For those of us, Lord, where there's some characters, and, it, and, and I pray that for myself. Lord, change me. Help me to see things differently, see things, the world and people as you do. Fill us with your agape love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.